Welcome back to The Fuse Show, everybody. I'm joined by my guest, David. Uh, David is a Guaylo who grew up in Singapore, lived all over Asia, and is now back home in Singapore. He's married with two boys, one of which has cerebral palsy. David's 48 years old and is in a hurry. He's confused by the state of America and Europe against the backdrop of expansionary China. And he's also the founder and CEO of Atlas Consolidated and the Hugo Safe app. All right, so David, let's, let's cut right to the chase. What, what is a Guaylo? Why are you a Guaylo? <laughs> the Guaylo is a, a Cantonese word for uh, a basically ghost person. Means a means means a white man, and then it's the way uh, often the the Cantonese refer to uh, to, to Caucasians in uh, in, uh, in in Asia. Um, it's sort of uh, it, it it's not quite derogatory. It's it's more uh, how do you say? Uh, yeah, it's sort of fun, actually, really. I mean, people people view it as a fun term these days. I, I think it's hilarious. I saw that you wrote that in your bio. I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. I'm looking forward to this. And on top of all this, it's midnight there. So I, I understand you're exhausted. And um, like I said, off, off air, I think this will make for a fun show, actually. Um, but tell me, it's like, how did you come to grow up in Singapore? What was, what's the story there? Well, so... it's. I mean, it's a very, very long story, and it goes back many generations. So I'm, I'm the fourth generation um, here. So we are, um, we're an old colonial family that has stayed on post-independence in Singapore. My, my grandfather uh, uh, originally came out here um, and then married my great uncle's sister. Um, okay. You know, just after the, uh, after the First World War. And he, you know, he, he basically, he got um, demobbed after the First World War. And, uh, was told by his, uh, or spoke to his commanding officer um, on on demobilisation about you know what he should do, and his, he, he only had one uh, uh, only had one uh, requirement in life, having spent four years in the trenches, and that was to not live anywhere cold, and and the advice was to come to Singapore, and and certainly that uh, <laughs> you know he never lived anywhere cold again. <laughs> Fits the bill. You're telling me off air that it's quite hot there, like 32 degrees Celsius regularly. Yeah. Constantly, yeah. It, it's it's all it's it's always hot and it's always humid. I I would so struggle with that, but I mean, you can wear flip flops year round. <laughs> kind enough. of a plus. Um, so, do you speak the local local language? Absolutely, yeah, very well. It's it, it's English. Oh, it is. Well, that shows my ignorance. I, I've always wanted to visit Singapore, and obviously I haven't had a chance yet. But that's interesting. I didn't know that. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm a, I'm a little bit facetious. The, the, it's a it's a weird thing in that the national language is actually Malay, uh, which I do speak relatively okay. well. Um, and the legal language is English, um, but we have four official languages, um, which you know Mandarin would be would be the third, and then on top of that, there's uh, um, there's uh, uh, Hindi. Okay, um, interesting. Well, I want to circle back to your personal life a little bit later and talk more on that. But, but for right now, can you give us an introduction uh, on Hugo Save and what, what it is that you do and the audience that you serve? So Hugo Save is, is what we call a wealth care app. And it's one of these apps that we've developed as part of the, uh, I guess the, the regulatory changes that have been allowed in banking um, that allows for um, you to really really create pretty specific user journeys and and our journey is based around 
helping people save and it's 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 focused on the middle class saver and we do everything from um, what we call digital banking through um, spending analytics through to digital wealth and uh, yeah we launched in singapore about six weeks ago um so it's been pretty pretty frantic um and you know we've we've built this i mean it's we've got a terrific platform that is is kind of built a little bit like Lego, so we can integrate very effectively with other people, and, and more importantly, we can roll out uh, very quickly in our other jurisdictions. So we we started this business from a blank sheet of paper um, in January last year, just as, uh, as lockdowns were starting mm. as a result of COVID, and we launched 18 months later. We think that's sort of pretty, uh, pretty good. Yeah. And... Uh, and now we, we're looking to replicate that in, in new markets. Obviously, with the platform built now, we think the rollouts will be faster as we move into other markets. So we're looking at Indonesia, uh, Malaysia, Philippines, Thailand, Vietnam. Um, all told, we hope to be in, in markets that would have a total population of about 600 million people. Um, but ultimately, we think our addressable market within that 600 million people will be about 200 million people. Wow, that's amazing. Did you build the product, like, is your engineering team local in Singapore? No, it's, I mean, that, again, that's a long story. I mean, I, I'm, as you can probably tell, um, you know, English from, you know, several generations back, but still have pretty strong ties to the UK. And about two years ago, we tried to um, take over a company in the UK and um, ultimately failed in that takeover attempt. But what resulted was a very strong relationship with a, a number of members of that team. And we you know, effectively took over the, that team to build this uh, this app. And that app, um, well, that team is based in London and they're fabulous. And, and we've we've candidly built something that we, we would never have set out to build from an organization because we just never would have tried to build a uh, pan-global pan organization from the, from the get-go. But because of uh, COVID, we didn't have a choice, and it's worked remarkably well. That's amazing. the The website is super clean, and I haven't downloaded the app at this point, but I can see the the screenshots and things look really clean as well. So it, it looks very visually appealing. Well, thank you, thank you. I mean, we, we I mean, a huge amount of work has gone into it, and and you know, it's one of those things that again because we've all been locked down, particularly here, you know, you, you know, you've done nothing but work. I mean, you know, I think it's not uncommon to say that pretty much everyone around the world has done nothing but work for the last 18 months because of COVID. Yeah. So we just ended, ended up being incredibly productive. Are you guys all remote or you, do you have an office or some sort of a hybrid model? We have an office here. Um, cause obviously we have a, we have a broader business as well. So this isn't, this isn't my only business. Um, so we use we use the groups groups offices here in, in you know we're, we're downtown in the city um, and uh, yeah I mean we have a hybrid model by not necessarily by choice right now but largely because the government restricts the number of people who are allowed in the office. I see, I see. Well, tell me more about the the genesis of the idea behind Hugo Save. How did you come up with this? Well, my, my myself and my partners. Um, so, I, I mean, I started the business with, with two guys, a guy called uh, Ben Davies and Bram Gigelli. You know, we are all, I guess, sort of libertarian um, in our political approaches, sort of 
Austrian from an economics perspective. Um, and one of the things that we've been you know, very focused on is how difficult it's been for the middle classes as a result of this protracted period of either um, you know, very low real interest rates or negative real interest rates, which we've had over almost a 20-year period now. And it's, it's been incredibly hard uh, for the middle classes. Um, they've, they've, they've just either found their, their incomes not keeping up with, with real inflation mm. or they've found, uh, they found it difficult to save. And, and so we've, we set about to try and create a product that helps people save. And so, you know, we, it, this is how we sort of engendered the concept of wealth care as a, as a business that helps you through your, your entire journey, be it from spending, saving, investing, and all of these things are built in to, to effectively help you create, create more longer term savings. That's, that, that's the whole, that's the whole genesis of it. Um, it's really, a you know, it's, it's, it's really it's really aimed at helping the middle class saver save, mm. and you know because we were, we're 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 first to market in Singapore because I mean we really are the first first broad near banking business model to launch in the market. You know, we we also felt that we 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 better try and pick the biggest uh, one one of the bigger consumer groups, and the middle class saver is obviously a vast mm -hmm. vast consumer group in Southeast Asia, and uh, and growing. Um, so there's a, there's a few things that, that were behind it, but those those are some of the main points. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm curious, I, I can see on your website that there's a, a focus on gold. It says buy, sell, and round up into physical gold. It's easy and secure. Are, are you open, like is Hugo Save open to other sorts of asset classes, you know, crypto or regular stocks, et cetera? Is it mostly the focus on gold? So we, I mean, it, it, the key the key point is starting with gold. Now we, we've, we're introducing people to our, our our trading interface through gold because it's an incredibly simple product in, in terms of financial, uh, uh, you know, in terms of the, the financial pantheon of, of products. Um, but we're we're moving very quickly on to others. So we're looking at mutual fund products um, at the moment. We're looking at trust products. We're looking at um, uh, life assurance based products as well. And those will be all all, all uh, um, introduced over time. Um, and I would say, look, look here for the next three to six months and you'll see some pretty significant changes there. Um, gold is, you know, we started with gold for a few reasons. One, you know, people view it as a rich man's investment product. And, you know, what we've enabled is for people to buy as little as one cent mm. in gold and do it at a price that is, uh, you know, it is not gouging from a margin, from a margin perspective or commission perspective. So it's yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's very much a a, a developing platform, um, but we you know, we we start with gold because we think it's a, an important asset class for people to hold as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I'm curious, what is your role in the business day to day? Well, so I mean, as the CEO, it's 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 basically to be the dog's body and make sure you pick up after everybody else. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I mean, I. I I guess my, my background in life is, is, is as an investment banker. So as an investment banker, you can either pretend to have lots of skills or, or you can effectively, well, 
concede that you have you, you have a lot of very general skills and you can sort of help out in lots of different places so what i do is i sort of help set direction with my partners um and then uh, and then because i'm i'm uh, i'm pretty well connected in these markets here it, it's it's you know I, I i aim at trying to build up business development opportunities across across the various markets we we, we aim to operate in yeah okay and on that note, what are you guys doing to acquire customers right now? What, what are your primary, I guess, methods or experiments that you're diving into? So we, I mean, you know, this is all very, very new to us, but we've obviously had a, a pretty significant, you know, go-to-market um, sort of strategy planning um, sort of exercises. Ultimately, we've built out what, what I what I would consider to be a, a fairly strong set of brand foundations. Uh, because it is a consumer product. I mean, there's no other way to look at it. It's a consumer product. And so we're going to market with a number of different channels that are based on those brand foundations. The first is, is direct consumer marketing. So there is, you know, the, the typical PR exercises that one goes through when one starts a business like this. And, you know, one, one tries to raise awareness and, and create engagement with, with consumers directly. Uh, that's the first strand to the, uh, to the bow. Um, if I'm not mixing metaphors there, but the second uh, strand um, is to uh, is is to work with channel partners. So we've got some really interesting and very supportive local channel partners here. So there's a power company, a telco. Um, there are some consumer um, consumer businesses here that all want to cross refer. Um, uh, customers to one another to try and reduce customer acquisition costs, that type of thing. So, so that's a, 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 a second component. And then the third component that we're working on is it, it's a little bit out on left field and it's not a fully developed um, plan yet, but ultimately we're creating a bundled product that includes Hugo services and um, some life assurance products, mm. some, um, you know, other things combined that we then distribute with HR departments mm. um, or through oh, nice. HR departments. Because one of the things that's that's very clear, and this is a this is a, I think not just a Singaporean thing, um, but you know, true in other parts of the world, is that financial wellness, financial well-being, is a is a subject area that HR departments are starting to focus on for their employees um and you know it, i think that's you know important from a customer retention perspective it's an oh, sorry, customer staff retention perspective mm -hmm. um but also from a sort of uh, i guess a motivational uh, you know uh, and a hiring hiring perspective as well and you know there's a very venal and 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 um you know quite quite frankly cynical way of looking at it as well and that is that governments around the world know very, very clearly that um, the middle class sort of uh, are not saving enough for their old age. And, you know, the other option, of course, is to simply slap on on uh, on companies a, uh, a mandatory uh, retirement levy. We, we call it central. We call it CPF here. There's a central provident fund here. So we're all forced to pay into a, uh, a central provident um uh, fund here that that, that manages our our, um, our long term pension, and you know the companies have to pay uh, sort of I think it's seven percent um, 
of the of their staff salary in there as a uh, um, as a requirement. And you know, what, what companies are trying to avoid doing is 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 getting the government to slap on an extra two, three, four percent. And of course, if they if they seem to be providing things like you know financial wellness plans and, and plans like Hugo's, um, then then obviously we we remedy that that's 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 that, that situation somewhere. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense. I, I'm curious, you, you know, you mentioned working with, um, you know, larger companies or HR departments, et cetera. That made me think of the idea of, of strategic partnerships and how valuable those can be for, for most businesses. And that's something that in our business, we're trying to figure out how to, how to go after, that's not the right word, how to build those in a, in a meaningful win-win sort of way. But I'm curious what, what you would say to that from a sales perspective, what, what do you find is the key to building those types of, of partnerships? Um, I mean, we're, we're lucky um, in many respects in the sense that we have a broader business um, and, you know, we're, we're like a relatively senior um, sort of business people. So we're relatively well connected within the, within the broader business community anyway. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's helped us a lot. Um, uh, the second is, I guess, that open banking is is coming around the world, and everyone is, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're a telco or a tech company, everyone's got this sort of open banking strategy at the back of their mind somewhere. And because we are one of the first, if not the first, local company to market with this type of product, you know, a lot of people are just curious to speak mm-hmm. about about what we're doing. Um, and so that's that certainly helped us. Um, I think beyond that, I've got a I've got a great set of marketing guys um, who are completely fearless and very well, uh, you know, very well sort of uh, sort of geared up to to spread the message. And, and you know, it's funny today. I had a um, I was interviewing someone to be our you know one of our financial controllers or our financial controller, a new financial controller, and. Um, he said to me in the, at the end of the meeting, he said, you know, you've got a very strong philosophy behind your business because I talked to him about wealth care and financial well-being and frankly, do it good for the community. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's really the, the nature of our business. And, uh, and, and, and he said, you know, look, it's, it's a very appealing sort of philosophy, right? Uh, and, and yeah, and I guess that's one of the things that's actually driven, you know, driven people to have a, uh, you know, to talk talk with us about this because it is a, it's frankly a, it's a nice business model. I mean, against the backdrop of, of financial services firms who, let's let's be honest, and I've worked for a few of them, they don't necessarily have the best of reputations, uh, and so to find. Uh, to find a business like ours that genuinely wants to help people save, yeah. you, know, you know, who doesn't, who doesn't, who doesn't want to speak to some, some guys like yeah. that, right? You know, I, I think aligned incentives are really, really important, but I think there's this fallacy or misconception that every business is just looking for money. In other words, like this idea of like, yes, yeah, so that's a consequence of adding value to the world, of course, but it's like when we go and try to forge these partnerships, I think that the default paradigm or attitude is, oh, we've got aligned financial incentives, like what's in it for them financially. Whereas I think that it's easy to skip that bigger picture idea of like, no, maybe 
they're also interested in doing good in the world. And this is a means in which they can help their staff accomplish that. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, no, no one is is motivated by the marginal dollar. I mean, everyone wants to everyone wants to put a roof over their head, and everyone wants to send their kids to good schools, and everyone wants sensible health insurance. But I mean, once you're once you're achieving those things, I mean, you know, people people look for self actualization. I mean, they're looking for something meaningful to do, yeah. and you know, and I think I think particularly in the financial services world where you know I mean, the vast majority of people work for these amorphous kafkaesque organizations where everyone is a number not just not just their customers but also their staff i mean you can appreciate why people want to want to do something different yeah and you know, that, that's that's very clear i mean we've had you know, we, we're a small organization in terms of numbers of staff you know for, fortunately because of our our uh, our efficiency we can address a, a lot of people with with uh, with the small number of staff that we have but in the uh you know the, the the hiring that we've we've done in the last year and a half we've had over four and a half thousand applicants for jobs wow i mean it's i mean it's been absolutely inundating absolutely inundating and so so very strangely for uh, for a financial services company or a fintech company whichever way you want to you want to slice and dice us actually one of the most important people in our in our group is our 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 head of hr who's just done a fabulous job in managing all of these things she makes everyone i mean she makes everyone feel great even even uh, even if we don't end up ultimately hiring them she's just done a fabulous job it's so important for your reputation as a company as well because obviously you're going to turn away what 99. 5% or whatever it is. It's like, you know, you want to make sure your reputation's intact with, with that group of people. I mean, that's super important. So kudos to her for doing that. Yeah. No, I mean, it's been, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's been very, uh, it's, it's been very interesting building, building a, a business in, in, in this environment as well. And, you know, I mean, look, it, COVID has resulted in a lot of changes and, and, and candidly, you know, it, it has made the labor force meaningfully less tight than it used to be, right? I mean, you know, you know, two years ago it was not that easy to find find uh, find people, but there's been an enormous number of layoffs in this market, and and you know, so a lot of people are coming coming looking for these jobs. We've we've had fabulous candidates, and we've had to turn away sadly very 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 fine mm-hmm. candidates, uh, but you know. I mean, it's the nature of it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to change gears a little bit and I want to hit on two statements that you made uh, in your bio, maybe more than two, <laughs> but I want to start with this one. So uh, you wrote that you're 48 years old and in a hurry. Tell me, tell me more about that. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess when you near 50 and, uh, you know, sadly at 48, you're definitely closer to 50 than 40. Um, <laughs> You know, I think you, you start to sort of view the end of your career as being closer, okay. I guess. And so suddenly you don't feel like you've got all of, all the time in the world. And that means that every moment bloody matters, right? And so, you know, it's it's certainly galvanized my, uh, um, 
my use of time you know i i i'm just incredibly uh I'm jealous of, of of the time that i have now so i just don't uh yeah i mean i i, I do everything in a hurry frankly um I want to I want to go deeper in that I can resonate. I'm I'm ten years your junior and on the you know doorstep of forty. But I had this. I was driving home the other day. I don't I don't like that. By the <laughs> way, I, I I I'm always happier when I meet someone older than me. Somehow or other, I feel like I'm winning that way. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I, I was I was driving home the other day and I had this sudden feeling of urgency. My, I've got three girls at home. Two of them are starting high school next month. One is going into middle school. And I, for my girls in high school, I've got a four-year window. And then they're just moving on with, with their life. You know, they're going to be growing up and, and moving on. It's like, dang, I, you know, just thought that this idea of like optimizing for different things in different seasons of life, but that feeling of, of urgency that like, and I know that our, our you know, our life expectancy in, in developed nations is pretty high. But it's like, there's a lot of people that die young, you know, it's like, I don't know how much time I have. And I just have the sense of urgency to, to make as much progress as possible. Well, here's another way of looking at it. And, and this is, this is struck home to me recently. My, one of my boys, um, he's, he's 13 now. And, you know, a year and a half ago, he was 11 and a half. We we went, we were in France skiing and we were crossing the road and he reached out and he held my hand. And I remember thinking at the time, you know what? I've got to enjoy this because he's not going to hold my hand. That forever. may have been the last time. <laughs> and, you know, he's he's gone from being five foot to five foot nine wow. in the last, last 18 months. And the idea that he's going to hold my hand now is just crazy. And candidly, as we think about it, he's 13. He's going to be in the army in five years. <laughs> do national service okay. here so it's you know i just suddenly think you know crikey this time is is flying by right and so when i say i'm in a hurry it relates to these things right <laughs> you know? okay so let's break that down though a little bit a little bit more precisely like how do you reconcile that on a day-by-day -day basis when you choose to uh you know do this and not that during during your day oh yeah i mean i'm I mean, that, that, that presupposes I have an awful lot of choice in my day. I mean, I, you know, it, it, to some extent, you, you always feel a little bit like the doctor treating the patient in front of you. Um, I think that's the life of the, the sort of startup CEO slash entrepreneur is that there's just work to do and you do the work in front of you. And so during the day, um, you know, it's just, it's just all on from uh, from the start of the day to the end of the day and the the real sort of talent is to try and make sure that those day have, days have finite bounds um so that you do actually have some you know some uh, some real life of course today has not been a good example <laughs> now that it's one o'clock and i'm on the phone <laughs> um but yeah I, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not sure that answers your, your question at all, but it, it's it's as best as I can. Do. Yeah, I think what I'm what I'm trying to to dig into is deciding what is the highest and best use of time on a, a day by day or even moment by moment basis. And, and and kind of what I'm what I'm getting at is like 
I've had days where I feel like I just spun my wheels and, and I guess got a lot done. I mean, in terms of like checking things off my list, but then there's other days where I have one super impactful conversation and that feels like a 10 X kind of day, even if I don't really do much else, you know what I mean? Like I just, things are weighed differently. Well, there's, I mean, I, look, I, I, I'm, I'm slightly facetious with, with, with where I, I say some of these things, but I mean, look, there are days when it's all on and, you know, and we just, we're just ticking, we're just ticking, ticking boxes or sort of a ticking things off a list. It's like, it's that kind of coal into the furnace mm. day where you're just doing nothing but yeah. work. And then there are times when you just consciously say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to sit down and I'm just going to do do a bit of thinking here, and that sort of that that those days of reflection are are, are incredibly important for not only centering yourself, but also putting the mad rush of what you do on a day to day basis into context. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was I look. I mean, there's a, there's a uh, there's an odd thing that a history teacher told me once many many years ago he was a very religious man and he he told me that there was an well there was a english prime minister called uh, douglas hume and he was a very religious man and he he started off pretty much every day by praying for half an hour now i'm not a remotely religious person but the, 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 the Prime Minister at the time, Douglas Hume, was asked, he said, you know, Prime Minister, how on earth do you find the time to do this? And his response was very telling. He said, if I didn't do this, I'd never find the time to do anything mm. else. It's so grounding. And to some extent, that sort of, that sort of ability to, to be all on at some times, but then force yourself to, to, to relax and then think and you know, sense yourself and, and you know, put everything into context. Yeah, I, I think that's that's another way of, uh, of, of, of managing um, the balance. I yeah, think. I can relate to that. I, I'm a religious person, but I see the corollaries in, in secular society with meditation. It's that it's that grounding. So whether, whether we call that prayer or meditation or, or some combination, there's, it's that reset. It's the grounding. And I, I think that that's it's just a good way to start the day. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, when you're when you're in charge of things, candidly, there's a lot of people who, who want to ask questions and, and you know, get answers. And, you know, it's like the officer, it's like the officer in the army who's told, you know, who constantly being asked by his soldiers, what are your orders? Sir? You know, it can be exhausting. And, you know, a, a, a bit of time away where you where you, where you sit down and think and, and, and sort of you know, plan, reorder things. I mean, this is very invaluable. To yeah. Me. You know, I'm curious, David, if you could jump back in time, call it 10 years, 15 years, and have a, a short conversation with the younger David, what what advice would you give yourself based on what you know now? <laughs> I'd have said stop being an investment banker earlier. <laughs> right. I mean, that's an incredibly unhealthy life. Mm. Uh, you know, honestly, I look back on my time as because I, I was 15 years an investment mm. banker, and uh, I look back on my time now, and I, and I, you know, I meet investment bankers, I my former colleagues, you know, and I, I look at that, look at that life, and I just can't believe I was ever a part mm. of it. Uh, and, and candidly, if there was one thing I would have done differently, I, is I would have done probably eight years in investment banking because I did enjoy a lot mm. of it. Right after a while, it became, you know. 
not so great. And so, so I'd, have, I'd, have, I'd, have, I'd have probably done something entrepreneurial earlier. What, what prevented you from jumping off sooner? I don't know. I mean, stupidity, um, foolishness, the, uh, the foolishness of youth. I, I mean, I mean, you know, <laughs> you get, it's, it's almost like an abusive relationship. You work at an investment <laughs> bank, you know, you sort of like, you have an abusive relationship with your employer and, you know, somehow or other, they convince you very effectively, typically with large amounts of money, that you should stay there being abused by them. It's, it's almost like and, Stockholm you know, syndrome, you know, the idea that, yes, exactly yeah, that, that the, that's exactly the abused in some weird way falls in love with their abuser or, you know, has an, an attachment to them in some way, you know? Hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's like they have their tentacles on you. I, I'm curious, changing gears a little bit, has your wife been supportive of this entrepreneurial journey? I, were you, I don't know if you were married at the time that you jumped off, but how has that gone? Yeah. So no, we, we, we've been married 20 mm. years and um, you know, she married me while I was doing this sort of um, banking banking stuff. You know, she's obviously seen me in, you know, much, much happier um, on a day-to-day -day basis since I've been doing things for myself and we're working for our, our, our own businesses. Um, but, you know, the life, of, the life of an entrepreneur is kind of, kind of very different from, uh, from the corporate yeah. world. And, you know, where I've been incredibly lucky is that her father was an entrepreneur. Mm. And, you know, he... You know, and an entrepreneur in Indonesia, right? So he, she's Chinese Indonesian. Okay. So he was an entrepreneur in Indonesia, you know, starting in the 1960s when Indonesia was a very poor country. And, and so she's seen, you know, firsthand, you know, the types of sacrifices and, and that, that, a, that an entrepreneur makes. And her, I mean, her father, who sadly passed away a couple of years ago, was just a fabulous guy. And, you know, if there was one thing that was very clear to uh, to her growing up was that the business pays for everything. So the sacrifice that he made for the business was in effect a sacrifice for everybody else in the family. Mm. And so my wife has just been incredibly supportive in, in, in this in this regard because she's she's seen it as well all throughout her life. Well, that's invaluable. That's just so incredibly important. I mean, when when things aren't good at home, especially if they're not good on a regular basis, it makes for me, and I'm sure this is true for most people, it makes it very difficult to focus at work, you know? Yeah. Now, look, I mean, I mean I, I'm, I'm incredibly lucky from that perspective. And, you know, I mean, we've got to say we've been married for 20 years. It's been 20 very happy years. So, I, I, candidly, I don't know how, I mean, I, I just, I don't know how people can, can you know, could, could hold down careers or, I mean, I, or, or do think do very challenging things without a supportive family. I agree. Um, and it's remarkable to me when you see people who, you know, who've been the CEO of this, or they've been very successful, and they, you know, from a um, from a from a career perspective, or apparently successful from a career perspective, and you find out that they've been married four times, mm -hmm. and you sort of, Jesus, I mean, that's a how do you how do you how do you succeed in that realm? 
without the, the, the level of personal support. I mean, I just, I can't, it, it's, it's, it's a very foreign concept. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Well, David, it is almost 1 a.m. there, which I know is not 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 news to you. Um, I want to land this plane with, with one last question, then I'll, I'll let you go. Uh, I'm curious, like, what advice would you give to founders that are either A, younger, or B, just not as far along in the journey as you are? You've got to choose your partners well. I mean, I've, I've, I've been incredibly lucky. Ben and Bram are fabulous partners to have. Uh, we have completely different skill sets, um, which somehow complement one another. Um, it means, you know, because and because we we've, we've got such a tight unit at the top here, you know, it's not like it's not like at the top of the company there's one person mm -hmm. in our in our in our organisation. There's three, and so, you know, it's to some extent we've got, you know, we've. We've we've got an ability to deal with an awful lot more because there's three of us dealing with it. Yeah. So I think I think choosing your partners is absolutely well. Firstly, have partners. Don't try and do anything yourself, right? Then choose your partners very very wisely. Or, in my case, get lucky because <laughs> <laughs> I feel I feel like I've just been lucky to have them. Um, and then. Uh, yeah, and then just to have a go, right? I mean, you know, don't be don't be don't be scared of failing, right? I mean, that's I mean, don't do, don't be foolhardy, mm -hmm. but but don't be don't be scared of failing. Yeah, you know? that makes sense. You know, as I mentioned to you off air, we've done something like eighty five interviews with founders, and I don't think we've had a single interview in which the founder was solo. I don't think that's happened yet. Um, and it's just interesting. I, I mean, I know they, you know, obviously exist, but it's just I, for the larger startups, especially funded startups, I, I think that it's almost um, a consistent thing that they have partners. Just like you said, I think it's necessary. No, that's, that, that, that's fascinating because my, my sort of sense of, I mean, yeah, of course, you, the, your sense, sense of what other people do is, is always sort of slightly offbeat or, or off, 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 off. Uh, off the mark, but I sort of feel like within the tech world, there's always this the kind of concept of the the cult of the lone visionary somehow or other, and you know I'm, that's just clearly not. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, obviously that person exists, but but in my experience, I found that they partner up with people that are a nice balance for them. Um, and actually, we've seen several scenarios where older founders, maybe in their 40s or 50s, are partnered with younger founders in their 20s or even early 20s and that that's a nice balance also well given given that given that ben is uh, is going to listen to this tomorrow i will say that ben is is uh, is an older partner so uh, so you're the young guy <laughs> well, <laughs> I, 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 he's, he's gonna laugh about this because no brahm is younger than both of us but ben is uh, ben is over a year older than me. <laughs> over a year <laughs> It's a huge difference. It makes a huge difference. <laughs> that extra 365 days of experience is just profound. Yeah. Hey, man, if you make the most well, of each day, know. that's not a small number of days, actually. <laughs> well, we live in a we live in a Confucian environment in Singapore, so I I I I I, I, I very much conform to that and, and respect my elders. Yeah, me too. Right here in America, so that's awesome. 
Uh, well, David, like I said, I, it's closing in on one, one o'clock in the morning there. You've been so gracious with your time. Speaking about time earlier, I know that you didn't have to do this and uh, you have such a lot of wisdom to share. And I really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk to me and to our, our viewers. Awesome. No, it's my pleasure. I, I really enjoyed it. So, I mean, it's a, a very different interview, I've got to tell you. It was really, really fun to do well, good. because it was really not our business. Yeah. I love it. Okay, so the, the website then for Hugo is hugosave.com and we'll have a link to your LinkedIn. What's the best way for people to reach out if they want to say hello or they're interested in, in Hugo Save? Uh, LinkedIn is probably the best way. Um, you know, I do monitor my, my LinkedIn page. I mean, depending on how inundated it gets, I mean, you know, generally speaking, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty, good, pretty good through that route. Yeah, great. Awesome, David. Well, hope you have a great night. Thanks again for your time. No, my pleasure, my pleasure. Cheers. Thanks.